turn to Revelation 14. We're going to try to, well, not we, I am, I'm going to try to cover uh, three chapters tonight. Um, I'm going to make some comments. I didn't, I didn't make a note at all. Uh, sometimes it's just better to go with what's got, what you got in your head. Uh, we're going to go through these pretty rapidly. Uh, we all kind of have an idea of what has gone on up until this point. Uh, this begins the, the portion of Revelation where things start moving to a close extremely fast. As a matter of fact, when we finish these, these bold judgments, and don't, don't, don't misunderstand me because sometimes I'll say bold and sometimes I'll say vile. Um, same things, the different translation, vile judgments, bold judgments. Um, I like the idea of bold judgments because it's, it's, uh, the picture here really is that the angels just pour those things upside down and just drain every drop of, of God's wrath out. We've seen a whole lot of bad stuff up until this point. We've seen natural disasters. We've seen ecological disasters. We've seen human disaster. We've seen death. We've seen disease and desolation and, and um, uh, rivers turning to blood and oceans turning to blood. And um, the, 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 I think the thing that catches me, doesn't catch me by surprise, but it just astonishes me is that just about every one of these things that have happened so far, it's kind of ended up with this statement that says, and yet they did not repent. Uh, God, God always has a witness. God always has his, his witness wherever we've seen it. And angels speaking, and we'll see that in a few minutes. He's had two witnesses. There's 144,000 uh, also witnesses that are sealed uh, until God is done with them. Um, and so just some, just some very interesting things as we go through. I, I, I did my best. I spent most of the morning trying to put together a chronological timeline of of when things happen and how they happen and, and, and those sorts of things. I'm going to tell you what, that's just near impossible to do. Nobody agrees. Uh, some of them are very general. Some of them are very specific. Uh, it, I, I do have a, a couple of, um, of um, I don't know if I, I wouldn't call them theories, but some teaching here. Dwight Pentecost is a great Bible scholar, especially as prophecy. Uh, there's a there's an old theologian by the name of Fruchtenbaum who has a little bit more thorough. I, I put all those with notes on a piece of paper for you, so if you want one of those when it's over, I'm telling you, uh, don't try to look it all up in one night. There's months of material here just in verses and, and cross-referencing. But I felt like that was the best thing to do for you. So if you're interested in that, if you're David Humphreys, and that's the kind of stuff you like, that's one thing. If you don't, just look, just, it's, gonna, it's bad, it's going to get bad, Jesus is going to come, and everything's going to be all right, okay? That's, that's, the kind of, that's kind of what I am. Uh, so we're going to pick up really in um, verse 6 of, of um, chapter 14. I uh, just want to make some comments uh, as we go along because... This, this is, you got to, there's nothing really chronological. It's just here's a picture of something and, and here's what it's going to be like. And then over here, you, you have um, 
a little bit of, of light that's kind of shined on it, but it's some, you're, you're seeing something happen over here that was mentioned over here in this chapter, several chapters before. So to try to trace a chronological uh, order of the book of Revelation will drive you mad. Uh, I, I think it would probably be something like from a, uh, from a microscope to a telescope to a Hubble telescope, you know. Um, it's almost like it starts out real finite, then it gives you a little bit more, then a little bit more, and, and, and it just, it, it will drive you mad. I love it. Uh, I love chasing these things, but um, it, it will give you a headache. So what I want to do is I want to talk about just a little bit uh, about these in-between. Remember we said last week that all the way through uh, chapter 14 is kind of a parenthesis, okay? Here's the things that are happening but it's like, oh, wait, let me fill in some blanks, okay? So, so what he's doing here really as he, as he goes to chapter 14 is the end of that, let me fill in the blanks. Uh, and then we'll get into the, these bold judgments. Now, remember that the first judgments we saw were called sealed judgments. Uh, the second one were called trumpet judgments. And remember that the seventh seal opened up the, the, the seven trumpets. Okay, so, so seals, trumpets, bowls. Just a, just a progression of, of, of the wrath of God, the judgment of God, one, one thing right after another over this period of seven years. Uh, if you want a, a timeline for where we are at this point, we are moving into the last half of the tribulation period or what the Bible calls uh, the tribulation, the great uh, you, you have it characterized as a tribulation, then you have it characterized as the great tribulation. And if you'll follow uh, the teaching, it, it will. the first part of it, yeah, is tribulation. The last part of it is this terrible tribulation. I think it was chapter 8 or chapter 9, you remember, where we see, see this angel and he is declaring these woes. And uh, we pretty well left it last week with, you know, it's bad, but it's going to get worse. Well, it's getting worse at this point. Now, Let's just look at this for a minute. I just want to make some some comments here. Follow along with me. Um, you know, it's so it's going to be so easy to get confused. I'm going to try to just uh, um, keep it keep it so I'm not running all over the place and having you chase all over the place. But but you have here uh, you have this angel, and the Bible says he is preaching the everlasting gospel, which really is the eternal gospel as well. Okay, he was he was told to preach. Now, if you want to tie this to Matthew chapter 24, where it says that the gospel will be preached to all tongues, all nations, everybody throughout the world. And then comes the end is what Matthew says. This is kind of the culmination of that. They've heard the gospel. They've heard the preaching through the 144,000. They have seen what we believe may be television, uh, satellite TV or whatever the uh, the two witnesses and their preaching and their death and their resurrection. And now you have this one final event where you have now this angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the eternal gospel to preach to those who dwell on. There's the earth dwellers, okay, the earth dwellers, those who dwell on the earth, those people who are here, those people who were left behind, if you please, those people who have not repented, these people who judgment is falling on. Because it says that it is preached to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. Then he said with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, 
For the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. You look at that and you go, well, man, that's not the gospel. Well, it is a, a message of warning. It's coming. If you're not ready, you better get ready. Okay? So, so here's what he said. Listen, fear God. Give him glory. For the hour of his judgment has come. Now, notice this. Who's, control, who's in control of all this? God is. This is God pouring out His judgment on mankind for not receiving and believing in His Son whom He gave, okay? And, and, and for the wickedness that, that men have a tendency just to make up. Worship God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Then another angel followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality. Okay, so what is that? We're going to see that in chapter 17 and 18. In chapter 17, Babylon, that great city, is a picture of the religious apostasy of that day, that one world religion, okay? In chapter 18, the Babylon, it would be um, uh, used there to symbolize the last economic one world uh, currency, one world economic system. So you have religious Babylon, which is the false religion. You have um, the economic Babylon, which is this this pulling together of all economic resources throughout the world to uh, for the Antichrist to be able to just control everything, okay? Does that make sense so far? So we'll look at that later. I'm not going to go into that. We'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of that. But if you'll notice, it says, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is a picture of, of, um, of um, being unfaithful to God. Okay? You'll see that all the way through the Old Testament even used. Read the book of Hosea. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his anger. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will ascend forever and ever. They have no rest day and night who worship the beast in his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name. Now we saw that, remember? The number 666, the number uh, which represents, the, he says, the number of his name. Now, anybody who receives that mark, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their works follow them. So it's like God is saying, look, guys. Writing to you. Remember, John's writing to a, a group of people who are in, under tremendous persecution too. Uh, lots of lots of times in prophecy, it has a an immediate fulfillment, it has a future fulfillment. He's writing to these people who are under tremendous pressure, and and, it, and, and there's a message to them here: be patient. Um, just 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 hang in there with it. If you die in the Lord, then you know what? That's a good thing. Um, you can rest from your labors at that point. And whatever you've done, this following of the Lord Jesus and hanging with Him, one of these days, 
you will be rewarded for that. Okay, so just, you know, the, the reward's not now. You think, you think you're in a t- difficult situation, things are bad. But if you'll just stay faithful, then nothing that you have done will be forgotten. Okay? Now, now it becomes at this point, what you have here is all of a sudden this, th- that's just a picture of hell. That's, going, that's what's going to happen to these people who take this mark. Now, remember, and, and we don't have time to go to the whole thing. Remember, they have to have the mark because uh, they're not going to buy, buy food. Uh, no, no, probably no currency in that day. Everything will be in the form of, of a mark. And, um, uh, you know, look at technology now, eye scans, all these kind of things, you know, that are going on. You say, this, it, it, and look, I don't know that that's it. It may be all supernatural stuff. Uh, but there's never been a time in history where this kind of thing is possible. And so there's going to be, there's going to be an identifying mark on the forehead or on the hand, uh, and people won't be able to uh, do any kind of business, have any kind of life if they don't have that mark. Now, personal story. There's a guy walked in this church this week, and yesterday, as a matter of fact, was it yesterday? It was yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday. And he was sitting in, in there, and he said, I want to talk to somebody because I have some Bible questions. And it was pretty evident pretty quick that he was all mixed up and just had some things wrong. And so we just, we talked through some stuff. But he had across his wrist there, um, had had the number 666 tattooed on his hand um, at one time. And he showed it to me, and after he began to realize that if he wasn't saved, he was going to die and go to hell, that he began to be moved toward Jesus and, and become very interested in knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus. And he had the Bible all messed up in his head, you know. But, but, but he had that mark, but he had that mark uh, colored over. And the thing that I said to him is this. You better be glad that some man did that and you were able to take it off. Because there's going to come a day when men are going to see that number and that mark is not going to be able to be removed. You're not going to be able to color it over. And then that would have been the end. And I said, you know, you were just, you were just um, giving it yourself a pre-picture of what that's going to be like. Thank goodness that some man did it and you can get it off. There's going to come a time when it's going to be put on you and it's going to be put on people and they're not going to be able to escape that. And he says of them, these who have followed after this Antichrist, followed this beast, worshiped the beast in his image, received his mark on their forehead and on his hand, he also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. And I said this to him, and I believe this with all my heart. If you'll read, and we'll see it as we get over into the, the, the last part of the book of Revelation, here's what the Bible says. And death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire which was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was not originally prepared for man. God had so much more in store for man, and yet man rejected that. So you know what? Uh, There will be people who will die and be thrown into that lake of fire. Not because God sent them there, but because of a decision that they made. Because there's one decision a man can make, and he never has to worry about going to hell, and that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. 
But these men don't do that, and we'll see as we go along. Now, look at this. This becomes more and more and more intense, and I doubt we'll have time to get through everything tonight. So, so we've got that. You've got these angels, and you've got their, what they're participating in. Then he says, I looked, and there was a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Okay, this is, I believe, a picture of Jesus, okay, because of the kind of crown that he has here, this, this diadem. It's not the Stephanos, it's the diadem, this golden Stephanos, this, this golden diadem. And in his hand a sharp sickle. Then another angel came out of the temple. Now look at this, comes, coming out of the temple. Remember we talked about the temple last week? And, and, and God gave Moses a picture of the temple in heaven. And he says, what I want you to do when I build I want you to build this according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. So, so now they're coming out of this temple. These, these angels are coming out of this temple. And one of them cries with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud... And if your Bibles are correct, him is capitalized there, the personal pronoun him. So it is a specific person. Thrust your sickle and reap. So, so look, here it comes from the Father himself, it's time to reap. Now you remember that the Bible says that God says, I judge no man. I have given the judgment to the Son. Okay? So all of a sudden now, the son is called forth with his sickle in his hand, and he is given the command to reap. The time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Time is about to be over. It's time, okay? So he sat on the cloud. So he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth, and the earth was harvested. The earth was harvested. Now, the harvest... The harvest is not complete at this point. The harvest is going out and cutting down, but there has to be a gathering, and there has to be somewhere to store. Okay, now look at this. So now, what you have is, you have a picture of Jesus. He's harvesting this harvest of people who are destined for damnation. Now look at this. Then another angel comes out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also has a sharp sickle. Yet another angel who had authority over fire came out from the altar. He cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Thrust in your sharp sickle, now it is, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Okay, so what you have here now is... The harvesting, and now you have the gathering. Now, that, it's, it's a picture, okay? It's, just, it's a picture here. It, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's symbolical. Now, look at what happens. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vintage of the earth, look at this, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So what you have, here's the, here's the picture, okay? Christ harvests. The souls, another angel comes and gather those up, and they throw them into, symbolically, a wine press. God's about to crush them, okay? The iron fist is about to fall. Do you see the picture? We, we, we've separated them out. He doesn't he, he he harvest those who are the believers. Only the non-believers, they have been harvested. 
Now they, they, they take them, they gather them up, they throw them into this great wine press, this vintage of the earth. He throws them into the great wine press of the wrath of God. The wine press, and we'll look at this. Now, I'm telling you, this, this is okay. So this is it's just all jamming in here right now. The wine press was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the wine press up to the horses' bridles for 186 miles. For 186 miles, blood four and a half feet deep. So well, that's a lot of people. It certainly is. Why? Why is that? Okay. So here we go. You got that one, right? I saw another great and marvelous sign in heaven, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. So you've got the wine. Let's just take the, the wine press here, okay? So God is about to pour out His wrath on these ungodly earth dwellers. And it's going to come in waves. And almost every wave is going to be worse than the next. So, so it's almost as if he is pressing them with these bold judgments. Does that, make it, does that draw a picture a little bit now? you got all these people that are ready to be judged. There are so many of them that, that they will create a river of blood for 184 miles. And then it's almost like he backs up and gives us a little bit more information about how that happens. Okay? So, so you have these angels there. They, they have these last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. This is it. Okay, this is it. I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God. Here are, here are what I believe is the... Answer to the prayer of the martyrs under the altar. You remember? And I looked and I saw all these souls under the altar, those who have been martyred during the tribulation period. And here's their prayer. How long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our lives? It's about to happen, God. You see a prayer answered in the book of Revelation right here from what we've already seen. Okay, so these souls under the altar, they're there. God is answering their prayers, and look what he says. And they are singing, or they sang the song of Moses. That's Exodus chapter 15, if you want to go over there and read that one. The servant of God and the song of the Lamb saying, Moses, you remember the song of Moses being that about deliverance? Now look at what he says. And they're also singing the song of the Lamb here. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall... Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. After this I looked, and now the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. Okay? The seven angels came out of the temple with the seven plagues. They were clothed in pure, bright linen, having their chests wrapped with golden sashes. Then one of the four living creatures, well, what are those? Revelation chapter 4. If you remember the, 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 the vision that John got of heaven, and it talks about the, the thrones, and it talks about the elders, and it talks about the four living creatures. One of them had the face of domestic animals, one wild animals, one um, um, humanity. 
I don't remember what that other one was. But anyway, go, go over there to chapter 4 and read it. So you have these four living creatures, a representation of all life. And one of them gives to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now, now, now look, here is, here is a sobering, probably the most sobering thought, I believe, of all the revelation that we've seen so far. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. Isaiah, you remember? No one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels was completed. Now, let me tell you what one writer said. No intercession. This is it. If you're... If you haven't repented at this point, this is the point of no return. Isn't that amazing? Nobody is allowed in the temple until these seven bowls are poured out. And, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? That's exactly right. There's no gospel being preached here. There, there, there's, no, there's no prayers of intercession. You don't see anything about the altar of incense and the prayers of the saints and all that kind of stuff at this point. God has emptied the temple. And it's basically the idea that this is it. This is this is this is the final thing. <clears throat> then I heard then I heard a loud voice. This uh, chapter sixteen. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, "Go, pour out the bowls of wrath of the God on the earth." The first went out, and he poured out his bowl on the earth, and foul and grievous sores came on the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. It is a discriminate kind of plague only on those who have the mark of the beast uh, some people call it loathsome sores uh, could be cancerous sores could be oozing filthy sores but all of a sudden these men are tormented with these with these grievous sores that are poured out by this first angel now look at this then the second angel we go through these pretty quick then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. It became like the blood of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Now, up until this point, you remember, we've seen where about half of all sea life has, has died anyway. At this point, nothing lives. Just think about the stench and the disease that that's going to cause. We don't know exactly where, but it's in the last three and a half years of the Revelation period. But why blood? I just think about it. Why blood? You, you look at that and you go, okay, well... That, that Moses did that. Um, but but look, at the, look at the third one. He pours it out on the rivers in the springs. So, so now the saltwater uh, ecosystem has been totally destroyed. Now the fresh water and the springs have been destroyed. They became his blood. But look at this. Then I heard the angel of the water saying, You're righteous, O Lord. Who is, who was, and who is to be. Because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. They have put to death your followers. They have put to death your two witnesses. Not only here, but throughout all generations. They, they wanted blood. Now they're going to drink blood. Can I tell you something? And I say this with all sincerity. I don't, I don't know where you stand. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not here to offend anybody or say anything. But I'm going to tell you something. 
the people who are responsible for killing our babies by the millions will one day drink their blood. You don't think God, you don't think God's serious about life? Matter of fact, 1 John says three things about God. God is love, God is light, and God is life. God is a giver of life, and God is the only one who can take life away. And so they say to him, you know what? This is a righteous judgment. I, I like what it says down here toward the end of it. You have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. You say, well, boy, that's, you know what? All of us can say that, but you know what? This is God. God. God, you're giving them what they deserve. And I heard another from the altar saying, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgment. So here it is. You have one angel preaching a sermon going, God, you're righteous in all that you do. You're giving people what they deserve. And you have an amen section over here going, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So you know what's okay? If you want to say amen on Sundays, that's fine if you agree. Just make sure it's the truth, okay? Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Whatever is in our atmosphere now that keeps the sun from just scorching us and burning us is going to be removed. Men are going to be scorched with great heat. Now look at this. And they blaspheme the name of God. Isn't that amazing? Who has the power over the plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. There's a picture there of just how hard a human heart can become. You ever tried to witness to somebody that just, you know what? It's like talking to a rock. It gets that way. It gets that way sometimes. So they know. So look, when this says they blaspheme the name of God, they know God's doing this. They are recognizing that there is a God. But they don't give Him glory. So the fifth angel pours out his bowl. Ah, here it is on the throne of the beast. Now, now the beast, the Antichrist... He's about to attack their domain at this point, okay? They, they've been wreaking havoc on the whole world at this point. He's fixing to wreak havoc on them, okay? So now he is, he pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was filled with darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the anguish. Uh, but they blasphemed the name of the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. It's interesting that um, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And what you have here is, is when he says he poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, his kingdom was filled with darkness, he, he's getting it all. He's not leaving anybody out, okay? Now, the, 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 the sad part about this is, or think about it, it is dark on those believers as well, but... Um, the sun is scorching some and not scorching others. That, that's God's protection. Listen, folks, God, God, protects, God protects His children. God, God sees after His children. Um, God never punishes the innocent. Okay? So you have this, you have this angel who now is pouring out even this darkness, this deep dark darkness on, on the, the, the throne of the beast. You know what? He likes darkness. Guess what? He gets it. Now, now here, now here we go. Here we go. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, 
And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east, or the kings of the orient, okay? Then I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. There they are, the, the, the unholy trinity. And now they are spewing forth these demons. Because it says, for they are spirits of demons, in verse 14. For they are spirits of demons performing signs who go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. So, so what, we ha- what you have here is you think, well, how's the whole world going to come across? These demon forces are going to go out, and whether it's going to be some type of anti-Semitism, whether it's going to be some sign of a miracle or whatever, they're going to rile up these rulers of these world empires to come against, to come against the Jews, the, the hatred of the Jews. Okay? Now look at this. These are red letters. So Jesus says, look, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments on, lest he walk naked and his shame be exposed. Now look at this. So these these demon forces go out. They gather the kings of the earth together. Now notice this. To the battle of the great day of God. This is the battle of God Almighty. This is not... You don't call it the Battle of Armageddon. This is a battle of God Almighty is what it is, okay? Armageddon is just the place where he's going to start gathering them. And they're going to be able to do that because the, the Euphrates River, it, which really goes right down through Babylon and parts of the Middle East, is going to dry up, which is going to give a straight path right into, right into to, to the Holy Land uh, for all these kings of the earth to come. They gathered them together to a place, which is Hebrew, is called Armageddon. Now, Tom, are you back there? Can you show me that? Probably that fourth slide. I want you all to see this, if it'll come up. may not come up. Y'all may have to turn around and look at that. Okay, That's our, that, that is the Valley of Megiddo, really what is called Armageddon. Now, now uh, the name Armageddon really means hill. Um, the, the har, which is the first part of this kind of means hill or mountainous. I suspect, if I'm not mistaken, that this picture is taken from Mount Carmel. Uh, Napoleon said that this is the greatest strategic battlefield in history. There were, there were at least three great battles fought in the nation of, uh, in, in Israel's history right there. It's uh, 14 miles long and 20 miles wide. So if you can picture it for a minute, all of these men gathering to do war against, against Jesus and really against, against his people. The place is called Armageddon, okay? So there's going to be, there's going to be a great, great battlefield there, but that's not the only battle that's going to be taking place. There are basically three battles that you'll see as you read through the book of Revelation. Uh, th- there will be a battle here. There will be a battle in Jerusalem because several things will happen here. Uh, there will be a battle in Babylon because Antichrist is going to bring his forces toward Armageddon, toward the place, uh, the, the valley of Megiddo, and to do war against Jesus and the Jews. 
And then Babylon, we'll see, and, and the prophecy is, is going to be destroyed. And so word's going to come from there that that's being destroyed. And then once they get here and fight a battle, they're going to move down toward Jerusalem to, to totally, at that point, annihilate all the Jews that are left. It's what Hitler wanted to do and was never able to do. It's what the devil wanted to do in the Garden of Eden to begin with. It's what, it's what he's wanted to do the whole time. He's, he, he's existed. If I can kill all the Jews, if I can eliminate the Jews, then I've eliminated God's people. And for some reason or another, he just thinks that's going to make a big difference. At this time, remember, at this time too, you remember we talked about last week or week before that there's going to be a remnant that God is going to take and he's going to hide them out maybe in a place called Basra, uh, modern-day Petra, uh, 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 and he's going to hide them out, and he's going to feed them. So, so they're there. So as he comes in, we, we, we will see where the Jerusalem will be destroyed, the people in Jerusalem will be destroyed, and then he'll, he'll light out for uh, Basra to, to get this remnant that's hiding out. Um, I, I know that's a mouthful at this point, but th- th- all this is going on. He gathered them together a place which is in the Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now, let me just tell you something real quick. If you'll write this down, don't get this confused. Because if you read prophecy, it'll drive you nuts. Megiddo, Armageddon, and Jezreel are the same place. Okay? You'll see the valley of Jezreel mentioned in the Old Testament. That's the same as Armageddon. The same, that was called the valley of Jezreel at one time. Okay? Also... You will see the Kidron Valley mentioned. And then in Bible prophecy, there is this uh, other valley that's mentioned. It's called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Okay? You've heard that before. If you were to... uh, Tom, will you put just another one of those up for me? Any of those next ones would be fine. This is the Valley of Jehoshaphat. That's not... That's not Armageddon. Don't get that confused with Armageddon. That is a kind of a pre-picture, a pre-drawing of what the Valley of Jehoshaphat or the Kidron Valley looked like during the time even before the Jebusites um, settled in that part of the land. What you would have, if we're looking at this from, from south to north, um, ju- just kind of as an example... The city of Jerusalem now would be on your right. The Mount of Olives would be on your left. And you have this valley that runs down. You remember that um, uh, during the time of uh, the temple and the temple worship, they had um, on the temple floor there were holes. There were so many lambs slaughtered, maybe 100,000 at one time, and the blood just flowed. And, And they had ducks, and they would wash that off the Temple Mount area, and it would run down into the Kidron Valley. And you'll see the name, the Brook Kidron, mentioned a lot of times. And the, and the Brook Kidron would flow red with the blood of the sacrificial animals. It, that, that's kind of the idea. Now, show me another one, Tom. Here is a, here's a picture from the Valley of Jehoshaphat. See the Temple Mount there? So if we're looking at it this way, the Temple Mount would be on the left. This high spot over here on the right uh, would be the Mount of Olives, Okay. And the, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, or the Kidron Valley, well, it does have the Mount of Olives up there, doesn't it? It, it does have the, the, a picture of the Kidron Valley here. And the Kidron Valley 
really with this picture, runs all the way down almost to Edom, which is down in that area where God's going to be hiding out that remnant. And so it's just my understanding that because of all the battle and all the blood at Armageddon, at Jerusalem, that that blood is going to flow for 184 miles up to the horses, that deep. There's going to be that much, that many people killed. Now, we'll see a little bit later as we get in that God's going to call the carrion birds of the world to come and feast on the bodies of these people that are laying out there. Y'all all right so far? Yeah. Now, that's an old picture. Show, show me that other one, Tom. I've got one more, I think. Okay, there, there's a map. Um, the Kidron Valley would run. So you got Megiddo up there on the left. It's kind of hard to see. Megiddo. And then you got the West Bank in Jerusalem here. And as you move on down that, that, that blue area and down through Israel here, then the, the Kidron Valley would run down, down through there. The Kidron Valley really doesn't start in Megiddo, but it runs all, almost the whole length of Jerusalem there in Israel. Uh, or down through Israel. So, yeah, that, that's not a, those are older pictures, not very good pictures. Um, I, I promise you, and Lee and I have been there. Um, if you stand on the Temple Mount and look down, it doesn't really look that far. If you stand on the Mount of Olives and look, it's not really that, that doesn't seem to be that high. But the fact of the matter is, is there is that, that Kidron Valley runs right down. I mean, you stand there and see it, see it all the way. So, um, when that happens, when, when the, the armies of the Antichrist that he has called together uh, start chasing um, the Jews and they kill the Jews and they head out for that remnant, there are most people believe, and I do, I, I think I believe at this point, that that's where you come to the passage of Scripture that says, Behold, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He's going after these people. Now, I don't have time to go into all of the Zechariah passages and, and, and all the rest of them to go with. I've got them on here if you want to look at it. But there, are, there is a passage that talks about those people who are in Basra, which is where we believe that God's going to hide them out. They're, they're, there's going to be a recognition that Jesus is their Messiah during that time, and they're going to cry out to him for help. And when they do, he, he comes to their rescue. This recognition, listen, this whole thing, ladies and gentlemen, is about the Jews recognizing their Messiah. Jews today are Jews more um, historically or, or bloodline than they are a religion. Jews just don't practice their religion much anymore. They don't have a temple. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They believe Messiah is coming. They just don't believe it was Jesus. They believe Jesus got himself killed. The, the Jews don't recognize the New Testament as part of Scripture because they don't believe there is a new covenant. <clears throat> it's just what they've been taught all their life, you know, the Old Testament. If it's not Old Testament prophets, uh, Pentateuch, then, then you know what? It's, it's just something somebody made up. Uh, God has opened the eyes of some Messianic Jews who, who are saved. And, and they, they really are working extremely hard to, um, uh, to try to win the Jewish people uh, to Jesus. And, and, and some are doing that. Um, I, huh? 
And some of them won't tell because you know, it means their life if they do. Um, I think the great, uh, just from what I've been reading, one of the greatest revivals taking place in our world right now is in Iran. So Iran, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there's going to be, there, you, know, here's, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing I always thought about. I thought, okay, well, you know, we're going to come to Armageddon. Jesus Christ is going to come down. He's going to kill them all right there. Well, prophecy doesn't line up with that. So you kind of got to follow that, kind of got to follow that, that path of taking this and putting it with that and taking this. You know, the Bible is kind of like a big picture. And you have to, you have to fit the pieces of the puzzles in. So, so let me just kind of give you what I think, okay, what I think is going to happen. The, 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 the Antichrist and the false prophet uh, and the beast are going to spew forth these demons. They're going to go. They're going to drag all of these kings of the earth together to go to fight against the nation of Israel. Uh, where is the United States in prophecy? As long as we continue to support the nation of Israel, you don't have to worry about the kings of the earth coming against. Because I'm going to tell you, the United States has plenty enough power. If we really say we're the friends of the Jews and, and the nation of Israel like we, like we say we are, then people are afraid to do that. There are nations that will not. There, there are, I can't tell you how many missiles are pointed at Israel right now, and especially Jerusalem. But nobody's going to fire them because I'm going to tell you what, with one command, our president could send cruise missiles into those places and annihilate them. That's not what they want. That's why the Middle East is such, is, is such an unrest at this time. Everybody, you know, everybody hates Israel. Everybody wants to blow Israel up. The people in Iran, the, the leaders in Iran would wipe them off the map tomorrow, but they won't do that because they know the same thing would happen. And the fact of the matter is, y'all, if you're going to fight somebody, don't pick an Israeli to do it. They've been fighting for 6,000 years. They know how to fight, and they don't fight, they don't fight by the rules either. Somebody comes after me, you know what? We retaliate, and that's what they do. Um, but but all, these, all these nations of the world are going to come together, and they're going to meet at the um, Valley of Megiddo, and um, their, their battle plan is to destroy the Jews. Uh, uh, Megiddo is a little south of Jerusalem. You, um, I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's a perfect... Um, battlefield because you can see somebody coming from 14 miles away you get, get ready to prepare yourself solomon actually lynn i saw this solomon had chariots and horse stables there right there at megiddo and i mean he could rally he could rally an army that quick before the before the uh, enemy could even get there but they're going to come and, and nothing's going to stop them and babylon's going to be being destroyed uh they're going to be battling with, with with whatever they're the forces that are trying to uh, to kind of hold that back, they're going to head for Jerusalem. They're going to destroy Jerusalem and kill the people um, of uh, of Jerusalem and the Jews. They're going to head down toward Basra. As, as if you want to get this, the prophecy says they're going to go after this remnant that God has been taking care of. And when they cry out to God uh, for help and for rescue, I think that's when the passage comes in that says and i saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on was called faithful and true and righteous as he judges and makes war his eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he's coming ladies and gentlemen he's going to put an end that's going to be the end of it. that's the second coming of christ 
at that point, okay? Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff. that There's a whole lot of cleanup that's got to take place. There's a whole lot of other stuff that's got to happen. There's a whole lot of stuff we don't even know. There's a whole lot of stuff we could read, and we don't have a clue. So let me just give you the cliff notes. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is coming. Everything's going to be just fine. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the time you've given us to study your word. Lord, we just appreciate so much the knowledge that you have given us so that we can just just focus on who you are, focus on what you've done for us, what you've kept us from, but what you're going to rescue us from someday. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We pray that you would continue just to work here, work in the lives and the hearts of your people for us. In your name we pray. Amen.